Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Extra Time Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Clapham, and joining me are my two co-hosts, Mr. Ben Rowland. Hello, hello. And Mr. Aidan Jones. All right. How are we, lads? Good, yeah. I'm Sam, thank you. Excellent. So, uh, the Extra Time Podcast, what is it? Basically, it started with an initial idea between myself and Aidan before we recruited the added knowledge of Ben. Uh, now, make sure you subscribe to the podcast for all the best news, content and features, giving you that little extra time with football. So we'll start with the game this weekend, Man United Liverpool. Are we watching it? Uh, well, maybe. Although I am in Woking. Devastating, yeah. Ben. So wh- while we're watching the arguably one of the biggest fixtures of the season, you're going to be travelling down south. Uh, yeah, it's uh, part of the job, and uh, yeah. Fair enough. So Man United Liverpool, is it still that big game that it once was? I mean, this season there isn't. M- there isn't much on the line. Yes, neither team's guaranteed top four, but neither team's going to be winning the title. Neither team's currently battling into the top four when we're looking at the likes of maybe Tottenham and Chelsea. Um, will both teams settle for a draw? Um, I don't think they'll settle for a draw because obviously, I think Van Dijk said in an interview, knows the importance of the uh, knows the importance of the fixture. I think both teams, especially Liverpool, are going to go for this. Man United with under Jose might play a bit, a bit more defensive. Maybe hold out because they are the team in second at the moment. Maybe they want to hold off Liverpool, stay two points ahead. Because remember, if Liverpool do win, they go ahead of Man United. So oh, it's a, it's a very difficult one to call them up in. I mean, Liverpool obviously have been trying to knock United out of second place for the past couple of games. United are two points ahead of them at the minute. They have a goal difference. I think it's by plus one. So there isn't too much in it. Obviously, I think this is game week 30. There's eight games after this. Um, or it might be eight games, including this, whatever. There's not too many points still on offer, but there is still plenty of time that if either team loses, they can rectify that, considering United have still got to play uh, Man City, Liverpool have still got to play Chelsea. It's not going to be guaranteed whoever wins. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, also, if one team does win, they've still got time to slip up as well. If you like because Man United maybe not playing the best football they have all season at the moment, especially Palace, excellent in the second half, but first half didn't look at it at all. So it, it depends what teams show up, really. If the Man United the second half show up, they could do damage to Liverpool. Is that Man United of the second half, Aidan? Like, Dejan Lovren came out this week and he said, Man United find a way to win ugly. Is that their crucial thing? Liverpool, they're renowned for their attacking flair, Yes, the defence might. It has improved. Um, I'll give Van Dijk and Carrius a lot of credit for that. It has improved. But it's still probably the Achilles heel in, in regards to, if you look at Liverpool and where they are in regards to going to slip up, it is the defence. Man United looked more solid at the back, but going forward potentially is their Achilles heel. Where where will it? Will they have to find, uh, find a way to win dirty? I think it all depends on how Liverpool go into the game at Old Trafford. Um, United possibly will go for a draw in this one, especially with Mourinho, like Ben was saying. Uh, like you're saying about winning ugly, we've seen against Crystal Palace that they didn't start very well. They were probably poor for most of the game. And in the, what, I think from the 60th minute onwards, they started to, well, they turned up then. They didn't turn until the 60th minute. Jose Mourinho thought the game was gone when that second goal went in because 
the way his, his reaction to that goal, he, he, he thought it was gone. And the two late goals, uh, yeah, they they, can't, they do find ways to win ugly. And if Liverpool allow that, then, yeah, well, they'll be vulnerable to that. But I think if Liverpool go into this game like they did the Tottenham game, like they did uh, you know, other games this season, I think that they have got the um, ability to to really punish Manchester United. I feel I also feel Liverpool could play ugly as well. If I know they're not known for it, but Chan's a tough tackler. Milner does dirty work. Lovren shows he can tackle hard. So Liverpool could match United in that sense. I think it's going to come down to the big name players on the day. Now, obviously, Liverpool's front three. Are now, uh, sort of renowned at this minute to be that sort of big three. They're, that's the threat that Liverpool pose. Man United's main threat is at the back. It's David De Gea. You know, you look at Christian uh, Benteke's header the other day. He made an outstanding save to stop that. And it, had he not done it, Palace I think went three 0 up at that point. Yeah. It was huge. So in regards to the big players, obviously we've seen that today Mohamed Salah's been named the PFA Player of the Month for February. Again. Again, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's having he's having an outstanding season. Um, is Mo Salah, you know, do you think he's that P, uh, player of the year potential uh, winner? Is it going to be Kevin De Bruyne? Could it be David De Gea? We don't see goalkeepers really winning these sort of accolades, but he has been outstanding for Manchester United this season and arguably, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there with David De Gea. He's definitely one of the contenders, but uh, if we're talking about contender for the player of the year, I think you can't look no further than Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he, although he's got quality, absolute quality around him in that Manchester City team, I don't think they would be as good as they are without him. Uh, all right, Leroy Sane's come out of his shell a little bit this season. But Kevin De Bruyne in that midfield, I don't think that would work the same way if he wasn't there, in all honesty. Yeah, fair play. I mean, for me, it'd be Salah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I don't feel like that affects me in this. I feel like with him coming into English football, having his time at Chelsea, he didn't look to be the player that they thought they'd signed. He went away. He's clearly uh, matured a lot in his time during Fiorentina and Roma that's made him an outstanding footballer and he's come back and he's been absolutely outstanding for Liverpool so far this season um, and I mean I think it was Jamie Carragher said uh, I think he might be the best signing in Premier League history in regarding to his impact in that first time when he signs for yeah, the club probably the best first season that one it. of the, the Premier League's probably ever seen I mean, yeah, and I think that's why for me he'd get it because no one would have thought he'd be anywhere near this. But I think it helps him playing under Klopp. He plays like as a as, we'll say as a winger, like he plays wide, wide, wide right most of the time. But when he actually starts playing throughout the game, he moves into a central position, and then that allows him to use his pace, getting behind. That's where he scores his goals from. Firmino also helps him because Firmino drops deep and can then allow that space for Salah in around the centre-backs that normally aren't as quick as full-backs are. Yeah, I think Liverpool um, have progressed through the quarter-finals of the Champions League this week. 5-0, um, comfortable win over two legs. Obviously, they got the five goals away in Portugal. 0-0 at Anfield on uh, Tuesday night. 
I feel like that is a massive weight off of Klopp's shoulders. Well, I mean, he had that from the first game. He allowed himself to uh, rest some players this weekend. Whereas Mourinho comes into this game knowing that he's still only got a nil-nil against Sevilla. They've got to go uh, and play Sevilla again in the midweek. Do you think that'll affect his team uh, selection at all? Um, I don't know. I think they've got a, a quite strong squad, United. So I think, and if you think professional footballers should be able to really play two games in a week, even at the highest level, I still think they should be able to do that. Uh, so I think we'll see strong teams from Mourinho in both games, even with the backup they have. And uh, again, one more thing on Liverpool. Obviously, I think the midfield battle is going to be huge this weekend. Because you look at Man United's main man in that team, it's not Paul Pogba at the minute, it's Nemanja Matic. And if Nemanja Matic is going to be imperative to stop in that front three, but at the same time you've still got the midfield battle going on where the three midfielders for Liverpool that I think will play will either be Henderson, Chan and Milner or Henderson, Chan and Oxlade-Chamberlain. So I think that midfield battle will be really, really um, important in regards to getting the win for Liverpool because they need to go match, they need to go um, head to head against them. If Pogba delivers the the ability that we all know he can, that's going to be very very difficult to stop. But it's a case of can he get back to that form that he once had? Yeah, I feel uh, Pogba's a difficult one because everyone does know he has the ability. Proved it in Italy. He has he has shown flashes of it in, Engl- of it in England as well. Um, but I don't, I don't think Pogba will be the problem. I think Matic stopping the runs from Chamberlain in midfield because if you look at what Cham- if Chamberlain does play, whoever the runner from midfield is, Chamberlain looks to get between the midfield and the defence and that's where Matic plays. He stops people running through there. So I think that will be the crucial point in the game. And Aidan, uh, you know, I know you're a fan of Scott McTominay. Do you think we could see Scott McTominay play? Could we see him... Mourinho tries to set it up and get him to mark someone like Mane or Salah like we saw him try to do against Eden Hazard when Man United played Chelsea? Possibly, yeah. Um, I think he's a strong player in that in that way. Um, he's not, with him being young, he's not afraid to to go in with the big boys. Um, I possibly think that, that could be something that could be in Mourinho's mindset uh, going into this game. Um, going back to Pogba... If Mourinho thinks he's going to play with the same attitude like he did against Crystal Palace, I wouldn't play him. I just wouldn't play him. What use is he in that Man United team if he's just going to, you know, all right, it might have looked a good ball on paper, but I'm not sure if you've seen it, but that pass, that long pass he made, mm. it just went out of play. It mm. went astray. Um, someone of his quality should be able to, you know, get a, ball across field like that to uh, to play on the other side also Jesse Lingard has been better than him this season without a doubt yeah, 100% yeah, well, yeah he has I mean, I mean fair play to Jesse Lingard he's really stepped up this season um, and I think the um, he's been a big game changer for United when they've needed to you know you've seen some of the goals that he scored out of absolutely nothing yeah he didn't score goals before this season exactly I think he scored more goals this season than he has in his whole career I mean fair play to him and for, I think 100% he'll be on the plane to Russia in the summer because he need, he, he has He's a big that, game player. Exactly. He has the yeah, ability to create definitely. something out of nothing. Um, 
So yeah, so we'll talk about the Champions League. Um, Spurs are out. PSG are out. Did we expect that? Obviously, two tough games that they had. Spurs, I mean, I personally made them favourites to beat Juventus. I thought they would. They didn't. PSG, it were always going to be tough without Neymar. And they were coming up against the, the, the defending champions of the past two seasons. Yeah, they might have struggled domestically, but they still have players like Cristiano Ronaldo who punish them. Yeah, Ronaldo is always going to score goals. Even if he's not playing well, he'll score goals. He's got, he's, he's got eight Yeah, in he's proved in the Champions games, League this like, season. He's got is more he, than eight in It's his games. competition, really, isn't it? Yeah. He performs every single Champions League game. Yeah. And PSG, even though they have spent all the money they have, they've, their squad still isn't as good as it should be. They're playing in France, which arguably the league isn't as strong as it is in Spain, England, Italy. Well, Adrian Rabiot came out after after I think it was after the first game. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah." That that was the issue for them in the Champions League: the fact that they they're not playing teams like Atletico Madrid, even teams like Malaga and yeah. Valencia, who are better than the majority exactly. of teams in France. It's when you're coming up against teams like uh, I don't know um, Nance and stuff, like it's not if you're not performing at the highest level every week. Yeah, it's all good and stuff to go and dominate your defense, uh, your domestic league. But their ultimate aim is to win the Champions League. And if they want to do that, then they need to have a bit more of a challenge week in, week out. Because otherwise, then they're going to struggle. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think it's like um, a player in a team where he's not got much competition. You know, He's not going to be worried about going into games. Like PSG, they won't be worried going into a game in um, League One. They they wouldn't be worried against the majority of oppositions in that league. Um, and the money that they've got and the team that they've got, they should be aiming higher than, you know, this stage of the competition. Yes, they had a tough game, but did they play up to their best? I don't think they did. No, I I'd agree with that. I don't think they did. But, like I said, they were playing against Real Madrid. Real Madrid have won the title for the past two seasons in the road. Yeah. Do you think, even though they are struggling this season in La Liga, do you think they can go and make it free and free? Yeah, I think they've got the quality. I really do. Um, you look at some of the players in that team, and even if, you know, I'm not saying underestimating any opposition, but anyone comes up against that team, they see the team sheet. It's already going through the red. They've... They've all won a Champions exactly, League before. Exactly, exactly. It's already going through the, the opposition there and it gets in psychologically. And They've won the game before it started, haven't they? I think one of the problems they've got is the ageing squad. I think that's one of the problems Barcelona have had over the few years. But they still have that ability when they really, really need to step up, they do it. And they have players like Cristiano Ronaldo, arguably the best player in the world, when he wants to be, to step up and take that crown. And potentially a third Champions League. Yeah, it's, it's probably the closest Champions League competition we've seen for many, many years. I feel any of the teams that qualify for the quarterfinals have a chance of winning. Well, I mean, I think we could see an English winner this season, whether it was. It's looked, like, it's looked likely, yeah. Whether it be uh, Manchester City or not, I think obviously they're the favourites. But I think Liverpool have got a chance. I think Manchester United have got a chance. I think Chelsea have got a chance if they manage to beat Barcelona. 
If they don't, then Barcelona are through, and obviously Barcelona can then go and win. Yeah, we know how good they are. Exactly. And obviously Juventus as well. I mean, they surprised me at Wembley the other night. They played very good, good football in spells. I think Tottenham didn't do enough. And I do worry for Tottenham a little bit if they keep continuing this thing. And, I mean, I do think they will get top four, but if they miss out, obviously they've got this new um, stadium. But do you think they'll be able to keep Maurizio Pochettino and probably, more importantly, Harry Kane? Yeah, I feel I feel they will keep both of them. I feel Kane's committed to Tottenham. Uh, I feel he could be there for many years to come. I feel Pochettino will also stay, no matter. Well, unless they really drop out. I can't see Pochettino leaving. I think the player they've got to be worried about is Dembele. He's been very good recently. And he's just a workhorse. Yeah, on a, he's, he works hard. He's so good on the ball. Did someone compare him to like Maradona and Messi? First in that? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he, and I can see him going to a big boy in Spain, in Germany. So I think he's the one they've got to try and keep hold of. Well, um, obviously Bayern Munich, there's been talks of them getting rid of Achero Vidal. I think he'd be the perfect player to come into that midfield, into Bayern's, because he's such a workhorse, he's such an industrial player, that he would be incredibly important for them. Yeah, um, he's, they're very similar really, aren't they? Because they can do both, attack and defend. Dembele is great with the ball at, the f- ball at his feet. He can shove players around like nobody's business. So strong. So, if they do lose him, they won't be the team that they are now. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. Um, and another interesting thing in the Champions League was Manchester City. They lost. Uh, the, only the fourth game they lost this season, second in the competition. Um, they lost 2-1 at home at Basel, but of course they were already 4-0 up from the first leg. Does it really matter? They lost 2-1 at home at Basel, does it matter? No, I don't think it does in the whole grand scheme of things. Um, I mean, they, they all have their eye on, you know, other competitions. On you know, they wouldn't have been worried about losing that that tie. It was at a similar position to what Liverpool were in. Um, yeah, they wouldn't have been worried at all. Um, they would have gone into that with just a, you know, just treat it as a training game. Yeah. That would have what they would have wanted to do, and um, all right, fair play to Basel. They they did punish them, but what I've got about Basel, you know, they've got a thing about beating English teams. Beat yeah. Man United as well, didn't they? Yeah, they beat Liverpool a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you look at the at the Man City team. Uh, it's not the strongest eleven. No, they no, play, the played players that probably aren't gonna fit that system, you know, like Yaya Torre is not going to be the workhorse he once was in that midfield for Guardiola. And of course I think in regards to Man City, you know, in the past few in the past two weeks, they've beaten Bas uh, Arsenal three 0 twice mm-hmm. and won, won the, the cup. cup. They've beaten Chelsea and then they've gone into this game against Basel before they've got Stoke um on Monday night. I think it were a chance to rest players. I think he did that. He gave uh, Gabriel Jesus um, a run in the team from the start, which he needed coming back to fitness. People like uh, Zinchenko got another shout in. Uh, Phil Foden started the game. Obviously, people good to see. Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there's no issue there at all. I think Pep. Obviously, he didn't want it to win the game. You want to win every game, but I don't think he'll be too bothered. He's not going to lose sleep over it. Nah. No. No, not all. Um, so yeah, then 
Thursday night, Arsenal 2-0 away at AC Milan. Um, obviously, beating AC Milan, not as difficult as it once was. Yeah. You know, they're 7th in Serie A, the 25 points behind first players. Pretty similar position to where Arsenal actually are, obviously, in regards to Man City. Um, but they've had a lot of They've had a lot of criticism recently. Do you think it's a result that will spur them on, or will it just be like, I don't know, a, a one-off, and then they'll go back to another poor performance in the league this week? For me, that game was no matter who it was against, they had to win it. Um, we already know a large majority of the Arsenal fan base are not behind Arsene Wenger. Um, if he was to keep on side that minority he had to win that game whether it was against you know whether it was against Crystal Palace or AC Milan you know he, he had to win a game because it's not in Arsenal's remit would that be the word to lose that many games um, it, it was, it's just unthought of isn't it yeah um, and it was it, it's it's difficult because he's in a position where he's been there so long, he's been on such a roller coaster with them, um, and he had to win that game. Going into this weekend's game against Watford, I think it's a winnable game for them and a chance to get back-to-back wins, which will almost certainly up the ante in the dressing room. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it was a must-win game for Wenger, like. If he didn't win that, the amount of stick the club would have got. Not yeah, the club for not sacking him. Definitely. And mm. Wenger for not winning the game. It would have been ridiculous. I was just it would have been crazy. I think McTyron played superbly for them. Like his the sign in of him has been probably the standout thing for them this season. Yeah. I think McTarion was brilliant, but the one standout player for me last night was uh, Aaron Ramsey. I thought his fitness was, I mean, it's, it's perhaps his key quality. And I thought, obviously, the goal he scored was a very good goal against a very good goalkeeper in Donnarumma. Um, but I thought his fitness in that midfield helped them control the game. The, yes, Milan had spells, but they Arsenal looked pretty comfortable throughout. However, it is important to remember it is only half-time, yeah. technically. You know, it's a two-legged game. They'll bring them back to the Emirates and hope for another um, another result to see them through. But um, AC Milan, they have got better recently under Gattuso. They've, they've picked up big time in regards to the form. I mean, it's it's not over. It'd be stupid for Arsenal to think it's over because we've seen in the past that that's perhaps not the case. Um, but do you think Arsenal will see it out from here? Yeah, I think they do. I really do. Um, I spoke to many Arsenal fans lately and they've said that they would have took a nil-nil draw there um, and to get that type of result to take back to the Emirates you know I don't think they could have asked for anything better I mean it's it's perhaps not as big as it once was but it's AC Milan it's away at the San Siro you know it's, it is a big game yeah whether you, you know whether you're in this round of the competition or the semi-finals or the final it's a big game and I think if the by Arsenal winning it, Wenger's. I don't think he's answered his critics because he'll always have critics. Yeah, 100%. he will. But I think it's a little bit of weight off his shoulder, or maybe not weight off his shoulder, but it's not adding even more pressure on there that he doesn't need at the minute. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
Um, I think that result against Brighton um, was definitely weighing down on his shoulders. Um, anything more, I ve I dread to think what would have happened with the Arsenal fan base. Um, there's you know there's people thinking that the club are too stubborn to sack him. He's too stubborn to step step down. I think a poor result in Milan would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, it's probably more important though. I'd say the Watford game on Sunday is more important for them, especially as it's in the Premier League. They're losing touch with the top six, the top top five now massively. So if they don't win this game and Burnley do win, they're two points away from Burnley in seventh. Say Chelsea beat Palace, they're 11 points off Chelsea in fifth and they're floating down to mid-table away from the places where they want to be. Especially when Burnley have got such an easy game at West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> but is it that important to keep up with the top five in regards to their competition this season? Because if Arsenal are going to achieve anything this season, they're going to get Champions League through winning the Europa League. Yeah. They're not going to qualify for the top four. So is it that important? You know, say, if Arsenal finish, I mean, perhaps unthinkable, but if they do finish outside the top six, you know, seventh, eighth even, but they win the Europa League and they get Champions League, will it matter that much? I mean, obviously Chelsea had a very poor season yeah. of the year. And, I mean, they've responded by winning the title. I mean... Well, I don't think Arsenal win the title next well, year. No, so not, yeah. they won't do that. <laughs> but think, say Arsenal finish below Burnley and Leicester. They finish eighth. How many Arsenal fans are going to call for Wenger to go? Even if they do win the Europa League. That's how many games is how many games is the Europa League in comparison to? Um, I believe I think there's eight games left. Eight in the games, League, eight of each. I think they'll have. Is it seven more in the Europa? Five more. Well, however, it's yeah. a similar get, a similar yeah. amount of of both. If you if you're looking to win, say half in the Premier League, which I think is realistic now, as they're not playing very well in the Premier League, they've only won one of the last five. Then. They're gonna get stick no matter what they do. I think. Yeah. Um. I decide to. I think if Wenger has got um, a basket, I think he'll put more eggs in the uh, the Europa League challenge because I think it's vital that they get Champions League still, which I can just say I think it is possible. Um, by the Europa. By the Europa. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I can't see them getting back inside that. Top five. I just can't see it. I think they're too far away. Um, I think he'll... If I was him, I'd go for the Europa League um, without a shadow of a doubt because not only will it get him in the Champions League, but it'll get them a trophy, mm. which I think the club need at the minute. There are some good teams do. still in the Europa League that you're forgetting. There right? is. It's a very difficult competition to win. There so. is. I mean, you're looking at Leipzig, you're looking at Atletico Madrid. Yeah, they're the big ones, really, aren't they? Yeah, I think Lazio are still in there. Um, yeah, it is going to be tough. Um, but yeah, uh, if, say, we're talking in hypotheticals, if it comes to the end of the season, Arsenal, they've finished 6th, 7th, 8th, however you want to call it, they haven't won the Europa League, they're not in the Champions League. What will it take for the club to make that call to get rid of Arsene Wenger, or will he walk? I think he, he's a very proud individual, but I feel like 
a lot of a lot of the time pride can also lead to stubbornness and we've seen that through a lot of his tactical selections this season whether that will be the ultimate thing whether his pride will make him walk whether he wants to stay I don't know but do the Arsenal board need to sort of either announce either one way or another either pledge their support behind him or get rid of him and look for another manager I think it will be more respectable if he leaves himself. If he says, if he's like, I don't know, how many, however many games left, if he says that, oh, I'm, this is my last season, I don't know how long he's been there. How many years has he been there now? Oh, is it um, 90... Longest seven yeah, manager. Yeah, longest... Wait, so he's the current longest seven yeah. manager in the league. He's had, he's had so many games in the Premier League. He's one of the most well-respected managers in the... Premier League era. And I'd say world football. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if he leaves, I think the end of the season will take the stick away from him because if he says, oh, I'm leaving this football club that I've been at for so many years, people are going to be like, oh, you've ruined us. Or will they remember the good times they had 10 years ago? I agree with Ben there, but I just want to spin it on a different angle. Okay. I think... Um, he the only way he is going to leave that club is if he resigns himself. Um, I think he's been at the club. The only way he's going to be sacked is if they change ownership, in my opinion. I think he's been at the club too long for them to sack him. I think they'll feel not bad, but they'd feel they might make feel like I don't think that they've got the well the green light to sack <laughs> him. I don't I don't think that they'd do that because I think. They owe him a lot more respect than that, and sacking the manager nowadays, it, you know, it's just it's done like that with the click of a finger, and I just don't think that he deserves that kind of thing. Sacking the manager can also go one of two ways. They could have Arsenal could be. They sack the manager, they get in someone new, and they don't perform at all, and they're sitting mid-table next season. Do they then sack again, or do they stick out? Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously. The example you sort of look at is Chelsea. Chelsea repeatedly sack the managers, but repeatedly bring in success. But then you look at Man United who well, brought yeah. in Moyes yeah. and didn't get success. But that wasn't kind of the same situation, was it? Because Ferguson retired. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah, but then they sat Moyes, the point Van yeah. Hal, who was an improvement. I think Van Hal got a lot of criticism, perhaps thought, unfairly. Yeah. Um, but they they are they have improved now. Yeah, it's taken a few years, and I think if Fenger goes, it will take a few years to sort that team out. They're not going to become overnight title challengers. There's a lot of dead wood in that team, and Definitely. I think it will take a couple of years at least to sort of have that process of bringing. If a new manager comes in, bringing in his own ideas, bringing in his own players, and then hopefully that'll give the Arsenal fans that sort of enjoyment back again, watching their team that perhaps they deserve. So, um, Leeds United, Leeds United, never out the news, lost 3-0 this week at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Andrea Radrizani, the Leeds uh, owner, was not happy. He, uh, he tweeted out, We have our own problems, but we should play in a fair competition. Not legal and fair, let one team owned by a fund whom has shares in the biggest players' agency with evident benefits. Top European clubs giving players with options to buy why the other 23 teams can't have the same treatment? We should play all 24 with the same rules and opportunities. And then he tagged the EFL in that. Do you think he has a point? He's talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers. 
Obviously, they've got this partnership since their Chinese takeover in 2016 with uh, George Mendes, one of the biggest agents in football. They, they are going up. It's, yeah. I think They've got the best team in the league by an absolute country yeah. mile. With, unless something absolutely ridiculous happens, they are going up. So, do you think Rodrizani has a point? Do you think it's unfair on the rest of the clubs? Or have Wolves just been incredibly smart? It doesn't... I mean, the EFL are investigating it, but it doesn't look like they've broken any rules. So have that way. Is it unfair, or have they just been incredibly smart? Um, I think they've been smart. They've done... I can't see them getting any fines or bans or anything, and they're innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. said so many times. Yeah. They've got the best team in the league. They've got the most money in the league. They'll be in the best league soon. I mean, if 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 there's anything that they're likely to have broken, it's the financial fair play thing, which we see so many times. You can get around that, can't yeah. you? But if they get promoted to the Premier League, then I'm not sure that problem completely eradicates itself because of the money brought in through sponsorship, through uh, television broadcast, everything. The money from the Premier League completely gets rid of that because the, we're talking such um, high margin difference between the Championship and the Premier League. So yeah, I mean, if if they are to break a, uh, to have broken a rule, it's going to be the financial fair play one, which can be get easily got around. Well, we've seen so many examples yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, the similar thing here is Leicester and Bournemouth. Now, when Leicester and Bournemouth were promoted to the Premier League, the EFL did investigate and it ended up charging them for a breaking financial fair play. But we look at Leicester. Leicester City went on and won the Premier League. Bournemouth are doing well in the Premier League since they've come up. It hasn't affected them at all. I think Wolves, if they come up, which is looking likely that they will, I think they will build on that in the summer. Still with this, still with George Mendes in there, and they will they will be able to bring in some very very good players because of the influence of this agent. And I don't think they'll be caught in a relegation battle. Yeah, they already have very good players, arguably Premier League standard players. Neves, the obvious. One. Well, I mean, Ruben Neves, he was the youngest captain in Porto Champions League history. Yeah, exactly. He's, I mean... Yeah, he, top, top tier Premier League quality, that is. Yeah. But he's playing in the Championship. We'll, I don't see any questions, but will be in the Premier League next year. Yeah. Unless he leaves Wolves, but they yeah. have no reason to sell him. No, they don't. I mean, they've obviously got the money. They've obviously... If they can bring in other players of that sort of quality, then that's... Um, a sign of ambition for them to go further um, yeah I think if he is going to leave like I say, it, like you say it will be to another Premier League club or to somewhere abroad so the next thing we're going to talk about is a new feature that we're going to do similar to um, Room 101 the programme um, but we're going to put a football twist on it basically um, Aidan and Ben are going to talk about two things that they want to see banned from football and then I'll weighing uh, my thoughts on it but then we'll also put a poll out on our Twitter at Extra Podcast we'll plug that again at the end of the show um, and you can get involved uh, vote for whichever one you want to see banned and also you can give us our um, your thoughts on Twitter and we'll also give you our Facebook at the end of the show so gentlemen I'll start with you Aidan what do you want to see banned from football? I think it was, I can't remember if it was the Palace game against Man United or the Brighton game against Arsenal. Um, 
Corner quadrants. There you go, I've said it. Corner quadrants. Why? I just don't think they have any reason to be on a football pitch. I just can't see it. Where do you take the corner from then? Well, you've got the pitch, right? Yeah. Why not just put the ball somewhere in that corner? You do not need an arc because there is an arc now and what it does is it may it persuade not persuades but it allows players to stretch the boundaries and I think I can't remember what game it was but there might as well have not been one. It was so far away from the corner quadrant. I just don't know like them. So you want like you them. want them to be taken on the actual corner where the corner flag is or on the line? Just somewhere in the corner. Isn't so, but then you can score that's a free kick. No it's not. But so surely somewhere in the corner is currently where the quadrant is. Yes, but what is the point of being there if people aren't going to abide to the rules? Well, the laws, sorry. But the isn't laws. that the lines? Isn't it the linesman's job to, to sort of get them to do it on the line? Yeah, it is. But what's the point of it being there if you're not going to abide to the law? What is the point? But players are always going to try to get an advantage, whether you say it's, whether it be through diving or anything. If they can try and manipulate something, you see it. In They'll free, go for it. Yeah. Seeing free kicks. Players walk a yard in front or put the ball down in front. You see goalkeepers come off the line during That's penalties. a completely penalties. different point. But, no, but it's, it's bending the rules, which is what you're saying. Yeah. If it's bending the rules. Yeah. So if they're going to bend the rules, why have the rule in the first place? I think get rid of it and then there'll be no arguments. You put the ball down the corner, somewhere in the corner, where in the a reasonable is. place where yeah, the linesman the f- says. The, f- the fact you're saying somewhere in the corner <laughs> is too vague to have somewhere in the corner because then players will be like oh is this close enough and the referee's like yeah why not just go for it I mean the somewhere in the corner exists it's the corner quadrant that's what we currently have I don't yeah you've got the corner flag so why do you need the quadrant well why do you need the flag get rid of the flag no because then that is that the corner flag is there to show everybody in the ground where the corner is (laughs) right okay Um, okay and on the other side Ben what's annoyed you Uh, I'm going with Goal line officials. Ah, yes. You see them in some games. Are they, what are they in at the moment? Champions it's, League. It's, I think it's I think it's UEFA that allow them. So yeah. I think it's Champions League, Europe League, and I'm not sure if they do them in UEFA qualifying internationally well, or not. But the, yeah, uh, Champions League and Europe League. Whatever they're there for. Yeah. Whatever games they're there for, they don't need to be there really, do they? Like, <laughs> you're not. They're not there in Premier League games, and they're officiated fine. Um, I've never seen one give a decision. Is anyone? Are they officiated fine in the Premier League? Yeah. How uh, many times do you hear of someone criticise a referee of a decision yeah, you he's made that. inside that penalty area? You get that all the time. That's going to happen until we get video. That's going to happen. Like I've never seen a goal line official give a decision that affect a referee's decision. How do you know they've not given one? The only person they can talk to in that ground is the referee and the two other officials. They're I, the only person. Sorry, I'm the other goal line official. But <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to make is they don't flag, they don't point. Yeah, I agree. All they do is talk. So how do you know they're not making decisions? I just if they're they're what? How many yards away from the lines on like Ten yards? Mm, something like that. Yeah. If if you're a fully qualified referee doing Champions League games. Yeah. Surely you can see that far, or the referee can see it. I mean, 
I think it came down to UEFA didn't want to introduce goal line technology as well, yeah. so it was on the goal line officials to sort of deem that. That was that goals. was my next point. Like, well, yeah, goal line technology coming, VARs coming in place. Like, if you like it or not, it's gonna happen. Yeah, and surely VAR is better. A computer, a referee having a second look at an incident is better than one who's five yards away trying to influence referee's ah, decision. Ah. That's where you're wrong. Because <laughs> VAR is only getting brought in for goal-changing, game-changing incidents. Red cards, penalties, goals offsides. and offsides. Yeah, we've also got, remember, so we've got goal-line technology. What if there's a free kick in the box the other way? That VAR can't give that, whereas a goal-line official could. Yeah, but you've got to rely on the referee to do that there. I don't feel... A, re- a referee or a line, to remember, there is two of them. You don't have the... Goal line official behind the goal, I just don't see them doing anything, so they don't need to yes, be Yes, because we don't know what they're doing. Okay. The, the referee gets told what, what they're doing. They, they, they don't flag, they don't point, they talk to the referee. So is, And you do see them talking, to be fair. Is that an issue, though, that fans don't know what's going on? I mean, that's one of the criticisms of VAR. Fans aren't aware of what's being told them by the people doing the VAR, if people on the goal line are giving decisions and the fans aren't aware of it, if the referee's going for a penalty that he clearly hasn't seen, then surely that's an issue. Whereas fans in the stadium should be able to to sort of see what it's been given for. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that maybe it should be... VAR does need touching up as well, so... Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to that. a whole complete different yeah, ball game, which I'm sure will be discussed next week. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we'll come on to it next time. Um, so, yeah, um, in all honesty, Aiden, I don't think you've got much of a leg to stand on in regards to the corner quadrants. I mean, they clearly do a job. That's why they were introduced, and I don't see much of an issue. Well, I do. <laughs> so you can uh, you can go vote. We'll put a poll out on our Twitter. Um, either vote in for which one you want banned, either the corner quadrants all the goal line officials. Um, the one, the one that gets the most votes is the one being banned. So, yeah. basically, so, vote for goal line officials. Yeah, well, vote for the one that you think um, yeah. should be banned. Um, you can go to our Twitter. That's at Extra Podcast. Uh, we'll plug that again at the end of the show. Um, so can we go hashtag Ben or hashtag Aiden? Whoever they think. We, we'll put some put uh, hashtag on there. Um, I'm sure we'll think of something creative. Um, and then, yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch as well with your thoughts, again, at Extra Podcast. Um, so, yeah, finally, um, we're going to wrap it up with a piece of football trivia. Everyone loves a nice football teaser. And, uh, Ben, over to you. So, basically, what we are going to do is I have thought of a player, any player throughout football, and I'm going to give you five players that they've played with at some point in their career. So... The five players we're going to give you this week are Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Steve Sidwell, Mark Van Bommel, Diego Forlan, and Salomon Kalou. So, which player has played for, has sorry, has played with all of them five players at some point in their career? And again, we'll put that out on our Twitter and on our Facebook. So, our Twitter is at Extra Podcast, and then Instagram at ET Podcast. And also, you can search for us on Facebook, Extra Time Podcast. Give us a like, share it to your friends, do whatever you need to do with that. Excellent. Well, that concludes the first edition of the Extra Time Podcast. Um, Gentlemen, I thank you for joining me. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. 
Excellent. And we'll be back next week with the second edition. Thanks for listening. And goodbye.